podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, as always, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. A little bit of a different format today. No intro, music, guests, talking, answering questions of mine. We're just going to have a nice little conversation uh, with a couple of guests that I really enjoy. One being my sometimes co-host, Andy Mitz from Rock Chalk Talk and Rock Chalk Pod. Andy, welcome back, sir. It's good to be back. This is actually the first thing that I'm recording since I was diagnosed with COVID. So we'll see how this goes. I got to get back in the sling of it myself. I feel like I should make a joke, but I also feel like I shouldn't make a joke. So we're just going to move on from that and say, I hope you guys, are, the family's doing well and that you guys are recovering. Uh, and no, Andy does not have a GoFundMe. He's not that kind of person. Uh, <laughs> also joining us today, uh, good friend, Jamie Steyer, who has been on the show before, is making her second appearance on the show. Jamie, welcome back. Thank you so much. Despite uh, my good friend Ted Flint trying his best to not get me invited back by telling me that I have to call it Okie State every time I refer to it, you know, I'm I'm I mean, happy you just did that it again. I, you literally like you just did it again. I'm I like to I like to push boundaries. <sighs> so off to a great start. We got COVID and Okie State. I don't. It's all downhill from here, I assume. Um, okay, so a variety of topics. Uh, we'll want to start with this one. And obviously the big news, really convenient for us, this coming out on a Thursday, the big news on Wednesday, is the NCAA Division I Council has voted to approve voluntary athletic activities in football, men's and women's basketball to start June 1st, the 30th. Um, this is obviously big news and a positive step toward us having college football this season. Um, there's There are more and more things that make it feel like college football is probably going to happen in some capacity. We still don't know exactly what that looks like. I still don't think there's going to be fans. We could talk about the Austin American Statesman article where the health officials from Austin are like, we're not going to have big events through the fall, but that could also be interpreted as you're just not going to have a hundred thousand people in the stands. Um, But it's feeling more and more like we're going to have football this season, which makes it fun to talk about 
football topics. And and one in particular, um, I forget which podcast I was listening to, which makes me sound like a terrible person, but I don't really care. I'm going to do this anyways. Uh, so if you look at the college playoff, which is what we're talking about, uh, the, the Big 12 is the only Power 5 conference so far to have only sent one team to participate. Every conference at this point has sent, outside of independent, which isn't a conference, so it doesn't count, has sent at least two. Uh, SEC has sent three in Alabama, LSU, and uh, Georgia. ACC has sent Florida State and Clemson. Uh, yes, Florida State, you guys remember from that long ago. Feels like forever. Uh, Pac-12 has sent Washington and Oregon. Yes, it's been forever since the Pac-12 team is gone. And the Big Ten has sent Ohio State and that Michigan State team, which I still don't know how they got there, but they did. Meanwhile, the Big 12, who has been there quite a few times, but only with the University of Oklahoma as its participant. So my conversation and my question for you guys is, at some point, a different Big 12 team has to go. Like, it's just it's just got to happen. There's no way, even with 10 teams, that the Big 12 is only going to send Oklahoma forever. Someone else is going to get there. Uh, and, and that means a lot. That, that requires a lot of things to happen. Not only do they have to probably win the Big 12, but they got to do it with, with no more than one loss. So my question for you guys today, and the topic I want to start with, is just which team do you look at and say, that's the one I think is most likely to do it? Oh, boy. Um I mean, I think the better question isn't who it's going to be, but when is it going to happen? Because I don't know that Oklahoma is going to get dethroned from the Big 12. So, like, you know, it's it's really hard to imagine a scenario where Lincoln Riley does not have Oklahoma up towards the top. And honestly, even if he moves on, they have the resources, they have the pedigree to be able to hire someone that can jump in there immediately. You know, you're not going to see mass exodus of players if he were to ever leave to take a job somewhere else. Uh, you're like, you're not going to see a lot of the problems that some of these, you know, teams that jump up every once in a while to have really good, uh, you know, really, really good seasons. And so, so I think really what the question is going to end up being is, is the Big 12 ever going to be good enough to send two teams to the playoff in the same season? I don't know how that happens because just because of the round robin, you know, because of the fact, like it's going to require Oklahoma and Texas to both be, you know, undefeated other than the games they play against each other, probably split in the, you know, the, their regular season matchup and in the non-conference and each be playing two marquee opponents in the non-conference. You know, like, I think that's the kind of insanity it's going to take for them to get two teams from the Big 12 at the same time in the playoffs. And so, like, I mean, I, I, could, I could see, you almost have to say it's got to be either Texas, um, you know, or if Baylor can maintain this momentum, that's probably the best bet for something really soon other than Oklahoma. But you know, I think that it's going to be far enough in the future that you could probably pick pretty much any school in the Big 12 and say that they're going to have that magical season and somehow upset Oklahoma and go. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, I mean, at this point, you have so many people even talking about, obviously, this isn't imminent, but who knows? You know, you have people talking about expanding the playoff, and it's like, is this going to be in play you know, having your second Big 12 team in the playoff, is that going to be in play before they're looking at potentially expanding? Because it's like you said, you know, Oklahoma, when you just see how much success they've had and you look at, you know, the kind of recruits they've got coming in, you see how consistent the program's been. I think it's like you said, it really comes down to who would be able to not even dethrone them, but just compete with them consistently. And I mean, people talk about this in basically every sport that the Big 12 competes in. And that is that, um, you know, you've got the issue of the the round robin where you're facing so many really good competitive teams on a consistent basis. And so for some teams that ends up being a really big benefit if you can perform really consistently, but at the same time, 
you can get caught out just by pretty much anyone in any given season. And that definitely makes it really tough when, like you said, there's such a small margin of error to make it in there. So to piggyback off Andy's point, I don't, I think it would take more than just, if you want to get two, since you've changed the topic of the discussion, um, not only do you have to have both teams in the Big 12 title game come away with just one loss and have a, have a marquee win, you would need to have probably two other power conferences with two lost champs. Like you would need the Pac-12 and the the, the Big 10 to have like two, two lost champ Wisconsin and two lost champ Oregon and then just hope that the runner up, let's say it's Ohio State in the Big 10, doesn't have a better resume than the one lost runner up in the Big 12. Because your problem is always going to be the reputation of the Big 12 is such, I don't think you can get two teams in unless it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Unless there's all these two lost champs and you're just like, well, uh, we're not we, they're not they're, they're going to put a one loss runner up in over a two loss champ probably in many cases, except for the SEC who would probably send a three loss champ because they love the SEC. But since you guys have uh, very cleverly and swiftly avoided the topic, well, I am <laughs> well, curious. Do you I, I don't think know that we is... avoided it though? I mean, I the, just the don't know thing... there's a way to make a call right now. No, I, like... look, I get it, and I don't. I, <laughs> there's no, there's no right. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Because look, we Lincoln Riley. It's not just Andy. I think that yes, they have the infrastructure and the finances, and things are going smoothly, and they could hire another coach. But they they've got one of the four best college football head coaches. Period. Like I think. If you want to say he's top five, not top four, that's fine. I think Lincoln Riley is in the top four. Like I think he's that good, yeah. period. And that is that's that's just hard to beat. That it, that really is. And there's not you know the, the difference with the Big Twelve and say the SEC with Alabama. There's the Alabama big, the SEC's got a couple of they're not Alabama every year, but there's a couple other teams there close enough that you that's how you get things like LSU having their season or Georgia being able to get in. Um, the Big 12 is almost kind of like the ACC, to be honest. Like, it's one team at the top and everybody else. Now, I think... Now, wait a minute. Top, wait no, hold a minute. I think, the Big 12 top, I think the Big 12 top to bottom is better than the ACC top to bottom. I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just saying it's it's a similar situation of there's this one dominant team they with one of the best more. head coaches in the sport who is able to have everything working perfectly and, and competing at that high level. There's not another team that is an obvious pick to usurp them and be able to make the play. Now, I think if someone else does win the Big 12 with one loss, I think if Baylor had been able to win the Big beat Oklahoma and win the Big 12, they would have had, maybe they don't get in, but they'd have had a legitimate argument and were close enough to be able to do so because of what a win over Oklahoma would have meant and their only loss would have then been to Oklahoma. They would have a very strong case to get in last year. I think that's what it's going to have to take. So I'm curious, and I know year after year is different, do you see a program that you feel in the next few years could have a situation like Baylor last year, but could actually get the win over Oklahoma? I I'm having a I'm having a trouble figuring one out because like Baylor, you probably could have said that you could have seen that in the next couple of years they had a shot if Matt Rule had stayed. Um, you know, Texas always has enough talent that they should be able to do that, but the fact that Tom Herman's still there, I just don't think he can get them over the hump. Um, you know, Mike Gundy, he, he's still doing a really good job at Oklahoma State, but for whatever reason, they just cannot seem to push over, uh, you know, and get to the, to the point where they need to be to say with any kind of degree of confidence. And there's nobody else that's even close enough talent-wise to compete with Oklahoma in the next two or three years 
from the rest of the Big 12. Like, and, and I think that's the problem with trying to come up with a team. Like Baylor, I think, is the closest to doing it, but you have no idea what Matt, what, what Aranda's, you know, team is going to look like, especially with all the issues we're having with everything being shut down at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's nobody you can say with any degree of confidence. Like, it would be just as crazy to say any of these individual teams as for me to say, you know, it's going to be Kansas in 10 years. Yeah, I think that I think that the thing is that for to to preface this, like anyone who knows me, like football is not my primary sport. So like I'm definitely not up to complete date on all recruiting, all that stuff. But I think that one of the biggest things is I would say is I don't know that. I just yeah, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head and that the other thing that really hurts is that some places where there's some shakeups happening right now, I mean, especially notably Baylor, is now you have kind of a setback where you don't even get to see, all right, you know, we're hearing reports where things are going really well, or, oh, we're seeing that, you know, they're really happy with this person's play or that person's play. And so, you know, you don't even have where someone can kind of come out of nowhere, so to speak, and have the success, you know, we're kind of in the dark right now. And so, Definitely this year, I feel like if we if we get to play, I think it'll be a lot more status quo just because they'll be a little bit behind. But yeah, in the next couple of years, it's just really hard to see things changing significantly. And obviously, there'll be a lot of stuff that we can't account for. You know, there's coaching changes if there's, you know, changes with rosters and stuff like that. But if you're looking just straight at what we can, you know, guess from right now, I just don't see anything really crazy happening. So we're going to talk a little basketball in a second, which is Jamie's more uh, bread and butter here. But uh, let's, let's do the other football topic, kind of sticking with the the conversation of, of Big 12 title games. Um, so obviously we don't have the preseason pullout yet. That's not going to come out until Big 12 media days in July. But, you know, the conversation about the playoff got me thinking about the Big 12 title game, uh, which is it has now happened for three years in a row. We're going to be going into four years of the new one. Uh, and OU has, of course, won the Big 12 every year, and they've They've been there every year, but every year they faced a different team. And what was interesting to me is going back and not only looking at the teams they faced, but looking at where those teams were in the preseason polls. Uh, you look at 20, what is this, 2017 uh, preseason was OU1, OSU2, uh, but OU faced TCU, who was preseason number five. Uh, 2018, it, OU was one and West Virginia was two preseason, but OU faced UT who was fourth in the preseason bowl. And then, of course, last year it was Oklahoma facing Baylor, who was number six in the preseason bowl. So, so, so far, and obviously things can change. This is a small sample size. But so far we have seen Oklahoma face a team that has been picked in the four, five, six, kind of the middle range of the Big 12, not the preseason number two. Now, obviously we don't know what the preseason number two is going to be, but I think we can all kind of guesstimate around the idea of, of Texas probably being number two, Oklahoma State might be there with with what all they're bringing back. So with with that kind of, and if you guys think that that's different and think, no, I would, I would pick somebody else number two, but I, we can have that discussion at a later date. But I really want to know if if we, if this trend continues of a team kind of, uh, kind of coming out of nowhere to face Oklahoma, who we all think is going to be there in the Big 12 title game. Who do you think that team sets up to be going into this season? I'm going to, I'm going to let Jamie go first. Yeah. It's, it's really tough because I think that 
as an Iowa State fan, it's really hard to make those kind of guesses because, you know, last year, especially, there was a lot of hype. Theoretically, this year, there's people saying that, you know, you've got a really great quarterback. And so I want to believe that that's a realistic possibility, but I'm also extremely jaded from pretty much my entire life of watching Iowa State. <laughs> so it's hard to like make that pick and not be like, no, in the back of my mind, there's no way. But at the same time, I also feel like if it's ever going to happen and if ever they're going to really kind of figure things out, I feel like it could be this coming year. You know, you've got, you've got some big receivers gone, but at the same time, you've got, one of the best tight ends that Iowa State's had in a long time with Charlie Kohler. I mean, it's, I think that if we can keep our quarterback healthy and if we can kind of look at some of the things that we've struggled with in the past, you know, last year we find out that, you know, Brock Purdy all of a sudden has been hurt and he hasn't been running as much. I think that if we had a really healthy year, absolutely we could be there. But if that's not the case, then I think, I would I would say someone more like Oklahoma State with some with some uh some big returning players coming back and you know they've they've had some degree of success and so I think that it would be if if I don't get my wishful thinking of Iowa State I would say I could see Oklahoma State there. Yeah, if you're looking for a team for them to face that uh that they haven't faced yet to keep that pattern going, I think the best bet is Oklahoma State. Um I think they just have the in terms of what's coming back the fact that you know they have a lot of guys that are there that know the system fairly well already, they're not going to be hit nearly as hard with the fact that they haven't had any kind of uh, off off season program so far, other than working out at home, you know, a little bit here and there. Um, and so I, I think Oklahoma state is the team that has the, the talent and kind of that head start in already knowing most of the big pieces to be able to challenge even more so than a team like Texas or a team like Baylor, who, you know, I think people are, are going to put, Texas and Baylor up above Oklahoma State potentially so like I could see Oklahoma State be, being fourth in the preseason poll just because you know a, a lot of people seem to, to underrate them quite often but if you're looking for a team to truly come out of nowhere I actually have to agree that I think it's Iowa State you know Brock Purdy and Brees Hall are two huge pieces that they're going to have that are going to allow them the firepower to kind of keep up and their defense is always good like it, it's it's not always you know otherworldly like it has been in the past in a in a, a, a couple seasons here or there but you know ever since Matt Campbell got there they've had a, a good defense and an offense that once they get going are able to really really get things going And so I think that's really what it comes down to is you know can they put everything together and can they avoid injuries because that's really I think what will allow them so the team that comes out of nowhere I have to agree would be Iowa State um, you know the only thing I know for certain is that those two teams you know, the team that doesn't come out of nowhere is going gonna, gonna to be Kansas and Texas Tech because those two teams are going to be absolutely horrible next year. <laughs> I, I like what, what uh, Neil Brown's doing, but I'm going to throw West Virginia into the not happening next year either kind of group. Um, look, I don't mean to be an, an like SOA, as someone who covers Oklahoma State, like I'm, I'm definitely not going to be the guy who just automatically picks them. Um, I'm not even sure I'm going to put them second in my preseason poll. Uh, I just... I will never pick Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma, so that would mean they'd have to probably win like every other game this season, which isn't out of which isn't which is doable, assuming everyone stays healthy. Um, but I like Iowa State. 
that's one of the two I kind of had in my mind is it feels like it, it kind of feels like last year was the year everyone thought that Iowa State would break through. And it, there was also a little bit of like, I mean, they've never won more than nine games. That's kind of hard to pick them to do so. Um, but I kind of wonder if with the lower expectations this season, if this is the year they can finally break through and do that, it'd be nicer if they could just beat Iowa for once. That would be good. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Preach it to the choir. <laughs> it's only funny because it's true. If Matt Campbell oh, would give it, if Matt Campbell would give a shit about football in September, that would be really helpful, um, <laughs> just for the Big 12's reputation of losing a friggin' Iowa. Uh, but the other, I will throw one more school in there if you want to have one that kind of comes out of nowhere. I, I I'm gonna pick Kansas State as well, and and I, a lot of that's Chris Kleiman. Um, I think they they lose a bit from last season. Uh, I think he learned a lot from year one. Um, I think he showed what he could do with a roster that wasn't that great i don't think the roster was as bad as we thought it was heading into the season but i don't think it was like significantly better but i think he did a lot with what was there um i I like the idea that climate might be able to in year two kind of step it up even further it's one of two things that happen with kansas state they're either gonna be in the big 12 title game or they're going to take a big step back. Part of me is like, they're going to take a big step back. The other part of me is like, I really like climbing. I I think three year, three or four might be the year, but it also might be year two. We might, he might just be that good. Um, so I, that I would think be my under other... normal circumstances that you could expect a big jump from them. But again, this whole no off season or yeah. severely truncated off season means that he can't develop guys the way that he normally would mm-hmm. through spring football and then throughout the summer workouts. And so, there's a, balance, they're missing balance. a lot of instructional time. And I think that's the biggest problem for those teams that we were hoping or thinking might be able to make a big jump is because what the coaches are able to do to turn those, those programs around and to really get that improvement, they don't have that ability to do it this year. Mm-hmm. Well, Texas Tech got five spring practices before it got shut down, so maybe we should just pick Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> That'll level the playing field. If Alan Bowman cannot break a clavicle or collapse along, maybe he can stay on the field for the ball. Uh, okay. <laughs> So let's talk a little basketball um, because that's that's what Jamie loves. That's her her sweet spot. When your brother plays and your mom is a coach and you talk about it on the radio, it's something you typically know a little bit about. A little bit. So <laughs> while all the optimism is coming out about, about football and its eventual start, and yes, they are allowing voluntary athletic activities for, for men's and women's basketball, um, I've we're starting to see more and more schools kind of talk about what they're going to do this fall. And you're seeing a lot of them talk about starting the semester as usual, uh, but ending a little bit early. Uh, Texas actually announced today, which Wednesday, that the fall semester will start on August 26th and ends before Thanksgiving. Uh, so the students can basically just go home and stay home instead of, which, can we all talk about how weird it is that you like go home for Thanksgiving and then come back for a few weeks and then go home again, which is just odd. But <laughs> that's the plan. And and so while it doesn't have a huge effect on football, like you could probably still, you're still going to, you could still play football. That does happen to fall right in the early sections of your non-conference schedule. Well, it's non-conference schedule is getting the way around uh, October. No, yeah, no, November. Yeah, I forget. Forgive me. Um, it's all right. I should. I'm a. I'm a freaking schedule junkie. Like I, I, I'm obsessed with scheduling, and I can't remember when the basketball season schedule starts. So well, yeah, it would on. be like basketball usually starts slightly before Thanksgiving break because Thank um, we always go on big vacations. Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. That's when all the. That's when all the the great week of tournaments in places with no fans because they're in the middle of. Unless you're Iowa State. 
All right. But so this this, <laughs> so this has me this has me wondering, um, what is this going to mean for college basketball? You're seeing games that are being scheduled, you're seeing announcements about them, um, and all the talk has been about football, but the real concern is that we're gonna see a spike in the coronavirus come November and December. Um, so while all this focus is on is on football. I'm curious from you guys' perspective, what does this news from Texas, uh, South Carolina has a similar uh, announcement. There's another one. I can't remember who it was. What, how are you guys feeling about basketball season and whether or not it happens on time or as scheduled or at all? I, I, uh, so I haven't, I haven't talked to my mom about basketball today. I talked to her about other topics, so I don't have any good insight on uh, <laughs> on those announcements. You knew you were coming on a podcast, and you didn't. Come on, Jamie. I know. On, Jamie. We actually, we actually did talk on the phone like two hours ago, and I didn't even try to get the inside scoop. I kind of was lax in my reporting duties, so I sincerely apologize for that. But um, I, it's really hard to say, um, just because. Like the way that things ended this year was so bizarre that it's hard to even start imagining how things go forward. Um, I was down at the Big 12 tournament. I was at the men's game the last uh, night that things happened normally. We were at uh, the arena about to start practice for the women's team when everything got called off. So I still have like the way that that escalated in the front of my mind. Um, I, I really, I really don't know. And I don't know that it's even fair to say that, um, anyone knows at this point, I know that today, uh, Iowa state did a virtual tailgate tour. And so they were doing some discussions online. And I know that a lot of people were saying, uh, our athletic director, Jamie Pollard was referencing things like having potentially 30,000 fans in the stands for football, which would be about half of our capacity, um, and so to hear those kind of conversations start happening means that if anything, I see it going forward at the very worst without fans, um, the only kind of mitigating factor there is you have to factor in how many people are necessary to put on games like that, even without fans, you know, you still have referees, you still have a lot of people coming in from all over the country to do things like ref. And so I think that that really complicates things. But if if I had to make a guess today, I would think that we would still see somewhat of a normal season, even if that means that the stands look really different, just because I just, I just don't see how people are gonna let a sports season just completely not happen. I don't know. I mean, and obviously if it gets so bad that that's the necessary thing to do, people will figure it out. But if there's any way possible to do it, like it's going to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I also think there's just a couple different things that we kind of have to, to account for here. And one football is going to be the first thing that has to happen. Like it either has to happen slightly delayed or with some basic modifications, but it has to happen on a fairly normal schedule because if for any reason football gets delayed, um, you know, or, or they decide that, you know, they can't do any of it for any particular reason. Like if, if anything happens to football, you're pretty certain that, that, you know, basketball is at least going to get pushed back. I could see realistically 
They might say, we'll make it a spring only sport where we don't start the season until the spring semester starts, um, which is going to be, make it difficult for a lot of the non-conference, especially, you know, those, those neutral side games. So things like the champions classic, which by the way, is on November, November 10th this year, that's the official start of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, if that would have real problems, I think, getting rescheduled if they're not able to do that on time. Um, I also don't think, though, even ending semester early is really going to cause problems because basketball is already used to dealing with a big chunk of a break right in the middle where they have less games, you know, and, and the non-conference, they already don't have the games like stacked up like the way that they normally do inside a conference schedule. So it's not that big of an adjustment as long as we're not dealing with a, a huge outbreak at that point that causes them to cancel things again. I think basketball could be fairly normal. Also, the fact that, well, yes, there are a lot of people that have to be behind the scenes to help make that work. Um, if you don't have fans, it's significantly less. And mm -hmm. the rosters are significantly smaller. You know, um, like, it's a lot easier. There's not nearly as many people you have to bring in for this type of event um, in terms of, like, a bare-bones skeleton crew to be able to run the event and make it work. And so if there's no one in the stands, that makes it a little bit easier. It's not like with football where you have hundreds of guys from each team that you're working with especially at the college level. The, the only big modification I could potentially see being made would be like you were talking about, you know, you have the referees that kind of go around everywhere. And in basketball, you have them bouncing around the country in just in the span of a week to get a bunch of different games. I could oh, see yeah. referees maybe getting contracted to certain conferences or certain regions of the country to kind of localize that to try to avoid them bouncing back and forth. So I, I could see big changes in the way that refereeing is done. But I think unless there's a huge outbreak that's causing us to all have to stay home again for extended periods of time, I think that they're going to do something to get the basketball season going, even if it's just slightly delayed. Yeah, I agree. I, look, I, I love college football, but my first love will always be college basketball. And I, I needs me some college basketball. I needs me to have a season because Oklahoma State's got the number one player in the country. And by God, if I don't, if I get the best Oklahoma State football team in like three years that doesn't play, and like the best recruit that we've ever landed to not play, like if the twenty twenty season that's supposed to be so good doesn't happen, I might just give up on sports. Like I might just decide <laughs> that I've, I've, I'm being told that I'm not supposed to watch anymore, and I'll just take up like, I don't know, parkour or something. No, I'm old. I have a kid. I can't do that either. You can um, just watch cricket. Dude, don't don't shit on cricket. Cricket is I'm not. Great. No, 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 no. So so my my sometimes co-host over on my podcast is a huge cricket fan. He loves to watch cricket. He'll watch like, you know, the 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 Indian League and all of this. He talks about yeah. it all the time. In fact, we have a a fairly recurring segment where he talks about what's going on in, in the world of cricket or other random sports that, you know, we typically don't see very much over here. So yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. Listen to your show now. Dang, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give you a heads up. No, I was, uh, we went to Australia, went to Sydney two years ago, um, and whilst there for a week, I uh, went to a Sixers match, it's the, uh, it's the team, it's Sydney's like team, um, I'll be honest, uh, it's all offense, uh, one team, it's, it's, it was so much fun. Also, like I've also decided, having spent like a week in Australia, that I could live in Australia because all the sports they play there are fun. Like you can, <laughs> you can watch rugby, badminton. Also, can you imagine a three? Like you go in a stadium for badminton, and there are many fridges at the end of each aisle because when you go to those ones that are like three day long like matches, you just bring food and stash it there. Like I, also, when you're gonna serve me like meat pies at the concession stand, not like a hot dog, like a meat pie. I'm gonna eat meat pie, get hammered, and and watch cricket oh, all day. All Plus, day. Aussie Bring rules it. football is a lot of fun to watch. 
Aussie rules football is the weirdest sport, oh, it's, it's, and I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> it's really, really strange. It takes a little while to get used to it. Oh, it's it does. a lot, a lot more different than like Canadian league football. Which oh, no, it's like a combination of rugby, soccer, and like American football rolled into this very odd sport. And it's once you get the hang of it, you're like, all right, I can, I can do this. I can watch this. This is, this is very entertaining. Like it's the Australians, bless them. They've got some fun sports to go watch. I can watch rugby. If those things were like broadcast here in the U.S. for me to like watch, which was just an Aussie sports channel, I could just put on in the background, just have on to watch. I would be very entertained by that. That would be um, awesome. Jamie, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Not really, but it's been really nice to talk about sports again. I know before we started, I said that I had to kind of brush up on some things because I think I just put the thought of sports out of my mind because some things were too painful. You know, we had women's basketball had like a heck of a run to end the season and didn't quite get a satisfying ending. But I'm just I'm really hoping that that we can come back and we can do some really cool stuff this year because I know that our women's basketball team has a chance to have one of the best teams we've ever had. I just, I want the world to be in a position where it's realistic to go back to doing sports. Uh, Jamie, what's on your face mask? Uh, what's on my face mask? I have, well, I have one that's um, galaxy patterned that my parents got made for me. And then for work, we have different ones every day so that we can wash them between clients because I'm an esthetician. So we have ones with pineapples. We have ones with coffee cups. We have all sorts of very fun and festive things. I like it. I like it. Uh, Andy, any final thoughts, sir? Yeah, you know, um, I'm just kind of on the same, you know, uh, the, the same kind of wavelength there. Uh, obviously, I will always consider the Kansas Jayhawks to be the 2020 national champions in, in men's basketball. <laughs> they were clearly the best team. And while it, well, they will not hang a banner, and I don't think that they should, if they decided to, I probably wouldn't be able to argue with it. Um, I definitely, you know, I, I'm kind of in the same, the same frame of mind because Kansas is going to have another really good team this year basketball-wise. Uh, it's going to be completely different. It'll be a whole lot of fun to watch it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. If all of if the only thing basketball news that I hear in the next year is about this whole notice of allegations thing, I am going to throw something at the wall and go completely <laughs> insane. So there has to be college basketball this year. Um, to that end, you know, I, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast. I, I had been diagnosed with, with, the, with the COVID-19. It is no fun at all. Do everything you possibly can to avoid getting it, which means everybody needs to follow the precautions, do everything that they can. You know, there's, uh, we are still obviously worried about a resurgence um, as we're starting to open things back up, but kind of PSA there, do everything you possibly can um, to follow all the recommendations so that we can try to thin this out as quickly as we possible and get back to sport. Thanks again to Andy and Jamie for joining us today. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at jstyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. You could follow Andy, but Andy and Twitter are currently in a feud, uh, and he can't get his Twitter account turned back on. I'm sure that's because I'm sure it's Andy's fault. Like Andy, you've obviously done something to upset so, so I the think great what people I figured over out, at Twitter. Yeah, I think what I figured out is that I used the same uh, verification number for both my podcast account and my personal account. And so it didn't like that when it went to go re-verify both of them. So I'm working or trying to work with them to figure out how I can get that fixed. But my my podcast account still works at Rock Talk Pod. So I've been tweeting from there when I feel like tweeting. Very nice. Uh, this has been the 1012 Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, 1012 Pod. 
T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. I'll put something up there again. Like, you know, it's really hard to do a podcast and do two social media accounts, which means I probably shouldn't, but that's what I was told to do to grow a podcast, so we'll see if it actually works, even though no one's listening to podcasts because there's nothing going on to talk about. Uh, we will be back again next week. Uh, everybody stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, enjoy your week- holiday weekend. Podcast Network.